Welcome back. You listen to the Runs and Nets podcast. The final segment. All right, so to wrap things up, we're going to talk about uh, the results of, um, from high school basketball this past week. We're going to start out in Massachusetts. Um, they just wrapped up. Well, they ratched up the sectionals for each. Um, well, they split it up in three sectionals. Um, north, um, South, West, and Central. So they just wrapped those up. We get to see the um, the final two games. Because the North, D1 North, a Division One North, faces off against uh, Division One South. Um, on Tuesday, which is tomorrow, at the TD Garden. So those two games will will play out. Um, and then obviously D1 West and then D1 Central. So we're going to, um, I'm going to tell you the matchups. But first, we're going to kind of just go through each sectional, kind of just give you an overview of what happened. Well, first in the D1 North, which Lynn English wins it for the second year in a row. So they get to play in the final four for, you know, the hopefully to repeat because they won the states last year. So they're right in the same position this year as they were last year. Um, I, like I said, pretty much the, the pretty much mostly the whole team came back from last year. The only team that we're missing, the only guy that we're missing was Alonzo Linton. And pretty much everyone else came back. Uh, Guzman came back. Uh, Makoba Jean Baptiste came back. Um, they added on Adamon Basmas, which played at St. Mary's. That was probably their biggest addition. It really helped their front court out. But, you know, Jack Rodriguez was back. Pretty much all the main guys, Mason Jean Baptiste was back. So. But those guys, that starting five has been successful, and they really have flat out landslided everybody this year, particularly in their conference. Which, to be honest with you, their conference really wasn't that strong this year. So, like they were just arm. It was just an arm's length. Like they were literally like just leaps and valleys better than everyone else. Um, in their conference, and it showed. Um, what you know, they had a lot of blowouts, but they, I thought that I thought their non-conference schedule was pretty good. Um, on the team that they're playing on Tuesday, they already played already. They played they played Mansfield already. I believe they were successful in that game. They won that game, so they already had the experience playing Mansfield already. Which you know. You know, spoiler alert for that. I wanted to kind of hide it until the end. But, yeah, they're playing Mansfield on Tuesday. They played Mansfield. They played uh, Catholic Memorial, which Catholic Memorial is one of the more talented teams in the country. They were top ten. They were my top ten both months, January and February. Um, they played Cambridge Ridge and Ladin a couple weeks ago. Won that game. Um think there was another game i think they played newton north i'm not mistaken i don't think they played newton north but they played um they played tech boston they blew out tech boston i mean it wasn't even close 
So, I mean, they... Plus, I mean, in December, they played two teams in South Dakota. They played East Catholic in Connecticut. I mean, those were some tough games they played. So, I mean, they were tested. I mean, if they don't win the states, I don't know. I mean, they they clearly are probably the best team in, in the state. I mean, I think, like I said, I think on the other side of the bracket, I think I think those other two teams in the uh, other side are pretty good too. Central and Springfield is really tough, and um, Central Springfield, which they won the West, in the western part of the state, Springfield, Mass, and then um, St. John's won the Central. They um, so they were in the. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'll get into that. In just a sec, you know, into that that sectional. But Lynn English took care of business. They beat Lowell. Lowell only lost. I think they were undefeated coming into that game. So Lowell was undefeated. They didn't lose a game all year long. And they finally face off. I mean, I thought Lowell was probably one of the better teams, if not the best team in the state. They didn't. They were they were the number one seed. Lee English was the number two seed. They didn't even Lee English didn't get the number two seed, which I thought was was criminal. I just thought Lee English, when in doubt, they only lost what one or two games, and obviously the the two games that they lost were non conference. They pretty much won every game in their state. So same thing with Lowell. I think Lowell didn't play nowhere near the conference um, non conference schedule that Lee English played. But Lowell still got the number one seed because they didn't lose a game all, at all this year. But Lowell played well. I mean, I thought Lowell really um, showed themselves in the championship game. They, the game uh, went to OT, and Lingolas was able to pull it out. But Lowell, you know, I think their backcourt is probably elite. Uh, Carlos Nunez is 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 probably the one of the better two-way guards in the state. You got... um. Richie Etienne and you got Nate Sowell. I mean, that big three is probably one of the, one of the best in the state, talent wise. I mean, but Lee English with their size is just too much. I think Lee English is by far the biggest team in the state, and it showed with all their size and how they're able to really uh, dominate. You know, the rim protection was was unbelievable all year long for them, and it definitely showed out in this game against. Probably the more small, I mean, those, listen, Sao and, and Nunez are great, but they're small. They're both only 5'7 and 5'9 respectively, and it showed. And just, you know, Janelle Guzman is, let me run, Janelle Guzman is only 5'9, and and um, Mason uh, Jean Baptiste is only 6 feet tall, so that's a pretty small backcourt, but it's not as small as Lowell's, so... And then obviously you got a, you got a, you know Nunez and and and, and guys like uh, and Nate Sowell. It's going to be tough for them to really, you know, score amongst them trees. And don't get me wrong, they were able to get it done. Nunez is a great three point shooter, and Sowell, you know, had a, he had a rough game. Riti Etienne was probably, you know, probably the best player behind Nunez in that game, but. But I just think, you know, Ling English just had too much. And then obviously the games previous before that, they played Waltham. They blew them out. They beat Lawrence. Lawrence does more of a closer game, but really Lawrence just, 
just doesn't have enough size to match up Ling English, and it really showed again as they were able to dominate inside. So the key thing with Ling English is like Janelle Guzman. You know, he's a scorer. He, you know, he makes big shots. He makes timely shots. He creates opportunities for his teammates. He's he's a true point guard in every in every aspect, and he makes his team go. They play up tempo style. They play a stingy defense. They play a pressure defense. They play a half court, uh, half court press defense, or really a full court press defense. So they really pressure you. They trap you when you least expect it. They have guys coming all over the place, you know, gambling out there to create uh, steals and, and create transition opportunities. And that's pretty much their game. And they live off of that and they die by that. So. They're really fun to watch and really entertaining to watch. I thought, like I said, probably the toughest game they played was against East Catholic, you know, early in the year. And they really showed, you know, showed that they can compete with them. Connecticut, I mean, East Catholic is probably the best team in Connecticut, one of the best teams in Connecticut. And they really showed themselves well. It was a low-scoring game, and I thought their defense was, was good in that game to really keep themselves in that game. Which, you know, it was clear that East Catholic was a little bit more talented and they prevailed in that game. So, but still, it just it just showed you that they were tested this year and they deserved to be where they're at. And it, and ironically, or just it just wasn't a surprise that they were be at this position, you know, in the championship game or at least close to it. And, you know, they're only... A game away, you know, one win away from being right there competing for the States again. And so, like I said, I was, I kind of spoiled it. Mansfield 1D1 South. Um, they've had a great season. I thought, if it wasn't Lane English, I thought Mansfield was probably one of the better teams in the state. And you know, obviously, you could say Lowell, but I think Mansfield, they had the size. To compete, they have the size to compete with Lynn English. Uh, Mansfield's front court is one of the best in the state. Um, they stand up, you know, they have three guys that go 6'3 to 6'5. TJ Guy is their tallest guy. He plays football, he's a two sports star, he's a physical guy. He's like 230, 240 pounds. Then you have Sam Stevens that's about 6'4, 6'5. Then you have Matt Bowie. That's six three, so they have a really strong front line, and they have a few other guys that they can go off, come off the bench. The guard plays pretty good as well. They make big shots and timely shots. So Mansfield's a good inside outside team, but they obviously they dominate inside the paint. Um, like I said, Lynn English usually comes into games in, in Massachusetts, think, coming in as the biggest team. And I think Mansfield ma matches their size better than probably anybody in the state. So I have I have Mansfield. Um, like I said, before we even get to that prediction, let's just uh, see their road. Um, they beat Atterborough early in early in the quarterfinals, which you know that's a Hawkeye League matchup. They played them in conference. It was a close game. They blew out Needham, which you all know that's Will Dorian. 
Um, one one of the better players in the state, Will Dorian's Needham Rockets. Needham wasn't able to uh, really survive with that one. Mansfield used their size and their skill set, you know, their shooting to win that game. And then probably the one game I thought Mansfield would have had a tough time with, they really kind of won it fairly easily against Brockton. Brockton's a team that, you know, is led by Todd Robinson and, and Navon Reed, and those those kids are really a physical um, team that you know can make um, make um, make opportunities off their defense, and and you know Todd Robinson's one of their better better players because of his uh, his his accurate shooting ability. So combine that. Um, Mansfield just matched up well against them, and and their size just was, just I don't know. I Broughton's a big team too. I'm not gonna really say that. I mean, I felt like Mansfield and Broughton, the two biggest teams in the South Shore. So it really showed in that game. But I just think Mansfield's skills, skill set, was enough to get them over the hump. Sam Stevens has been really good in the tournament. He's really stepped up for them. So, and really all year, Sam Stevens has had a great season. And that was enough to really get them past Brockton. So, we'll see how they do against uh, Lynn English tomorrow. But I tell you what, I think Lynn English's size is definitely going to be a factor. But I think Mansfield, out of all the teams in the South Shore, can probably match up well against them. Size wise, they even have a young freshman that's about six two six three. So Mansfield's a pretty big team overall. They they pretty much match up with Lincoln's size, but Lincoln's has three guys that are six eight. So I mean they're a huge team. So we'll see. We'll see how. I I honestly think Lincoln's will probably prevail in that one. All right. So let's find out um, the other half of the bracket. But let's start with um, the Central Central Division in D1. Um, so basically in the championship game for that, St. John's ended up beating Franklin. It was a close game, 56-55. Um, obviously the star players, T.J. Powell, had a big game for St. John's. The kid's pretty pretty talented he's only 6'9 he's only a sophomore um you got a few guys that are young that are talented and tj power is one of them and really overall that st john's team is extremely young but they're they're very 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 talented team so they got a few guys that are in the 2022 class tj powell is is part of that i don't know if he's gonna jump up ahead because he's really a guy that you know scouts are gonna be looking at next year I'd be surprised if he doesn't get any love next year from the scouts because he's, or he possibly could go to maybe, uh, he probably could definitely go to a, uh, a bigger, like a prep school because he's, he's, prep school is going to be definitely trying to get him to, to come to one of their schools because he really is pretty advanced at a young age. Only a sophomore and he has a very good skill set, can go inside and out. 
Very good defensive player, good rim protector, uses his size well. And we'll see how he does, you know, against, uh, you know, in the, in the championship game on Tuesday. But Chris Edgehill has been dominant for Franklin all year long. And he's been really good, particularly in this game. He really, uh, really set the tone early on in the game, scored a lot of early points early on. But it was just wasn't enough. They didn't have enough in the tank to beat a St. John's team that really showed their defense in this game. TJ Power was just too much inside. And I don't really have much besides that. Really wasn't really competitive for for both of those teams in the both of those roads. It just wasn't competitive. Um, but again, Central. Uh, Central in Springfield um, won the D1 West. They beat Putnam, which, you know, Putnam, uh, vocational tech, they won it last year. And I thought they were really good last year, but uh, Springfield Central was able to win it this year. Uh, if you haven't seen this kid, this kid is is, is special. He's probably one of the more be- he's probably the better one of the better athletes I've seen play. You know, in the state, far as like, like most of these guys end up going to prep schools. I don't know how this guy slipped through the cracks. When I seen the footage of him, I was like, "What? This dude is making dunks and like." Like he's jumping over, like he's like his vertical. It looks like he has a, like a, at least a thirty-seven, thirty-eight, maybe even a forty-inch vertical. Like he's he's six-three, and he's and he's dunking the ball at ease. Like I mean, most guys barely could dunk the ball in Massachusetts at this level. If you're not on the prep school, you're probably not dunking for the most part, or you're really not dunking like this could dunk. I mean, this kid gets off the off off the ground pretty easily and he's really exciting to watch so if any of you guys are interested uh going to td gardner to witness these these games uh tomorrow night you're gonna see this kid he plays for springfield central tyrese morris he's a stud like he's gonna be making a few dunks for sure he's very good athlete he's probably the more athletic guys that i've seen and I, i he's he's he pretty much what makes uh, Springfield Central go. Wherever he goes, the team goes. Keith uh, Keith Key is also another player. He's about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, as well. Plays inside. Both of them play inside. They're both front court type players. But Tyrese Morse is a guy that probably could play as a guard if he would have deferred to play the next level. I don't know what his plans are. He's not getting a lot of college attention. At least not that I know of, but I'm going to probably look hard into him just to see if, you know, if he is getting some. But as far as I know, he hasn't really gotten much. But I have a few other sources I can look for. I will get into those sources. Like, once the season starts, guys, I'll definitely kind of, like, start scouting some of these guys that are kind of slipping through the cracks. And I will... I will be providing scouting reports and stuff like that. Probably make an article on that pretty soon down the road on some of these guys that are, you know, guys that 
may not be getting some recruiting left, but I like I said, I'll definitely research on it. I have a few sources that um that might have some inside track on some of these uh these these guys' recruitments and recruitment news. But yeah, Tyrese Morris. Keep an eye on him tomorrow. I mean, I think he's going to really surprise you how athletic he is. You know, you normally don't see guys um, doing what he does out there athletically. He's a, he's a sight to see. Um, so, yeah, he was he was able to get the job done. Him and Keith Key were able to um, beat Putnam, the defending champs of the West sectionals. So now it's all set. The Final Four is all set for tomorrow. You got Springfield Central against St. John's. That would be a really fun matchup. TJ Power against Tyrese Morris. That would be fun to watch. Then you have Lynn English, Janelle Guzman, and his Lynn English Bulldogs and his pressure defense against Mansfield with their, you know, highly skilled, you know, players or highly skilled front court, Sam Stevens and and, and Matt Bowie and TJ Guy has his Mansfield Hornets playing off against Lynn English for the, all the marbles for the um, for the semifinals in, in the TD Garden, and then probably the final will be played, I believe, either Wednesday or either Thursday. Not 100 percent sure what a what the time will be for those games, but uh, just check it out. Do a quick Google search. I wasn't able to really get it for you guys, but I pretty much got you everything covered besides that. Um, so we'll move on to the next state. Maine wrapped up their championship results. Well, I mean, their championship game last week. I know it's kind of late. It was literally like a week ago, but they wrapped it up. So I'll give you a quick... Uh, review on that and I think I really kind of covered it on the last podcast on the preview but Hampton beats York for the class A just found out that Bryce Lazier end up winning the Mr. Basketball award so he's main Mr. Basketball and he deserved it and he really led his team all the way this year he had, they really believe he averaged about 20, 24 uh, points, 24.7 points per game. I mean, he was just a dynamite scorer for them all year. If it's not 24, it's 27. I'm, I'm getting mixed up with the numbers here, but I believe it's north of 25 points a game. Really special year for Bryce Lazier. He's a really good shooter. Um,. I, th- I mean, I had York winning this game, so I was wrong. But f- in the my, in my defense, Brady Cummins, the the kid that I think is gonna have um, scouts drooling over him next year. He's only he's a junior coming into his senior year. I mean, he suffered leg cramps, so he wasn't at a hundred percent. wasn't able to really um, really he was hampered through it, and he wasn't able to play in this game in the end end of the game. So they weren't able to get his production, and it really hurt them because he's probably you know you know he's probably their best player as a junior. They do have a senior that's pretty good too, uh, McDonald. But Cummins is is the guy that they lean on athletically. 
He makes plays. He's the one dunking out there for for for, for York. Like I said, normally you don't see guys dunking. You know, normally those guys play for the prep prep ranks. But Brady Cummins is a guy that can dunk at ease out there, and he's really talented for York. So, but they weren't able to get by uh, the comeback of Bryce Lazier because they were down in this game. Hampton was down in this game. It didn't look like Hampton was going to pull it out, but then. Once Cummins got those cramps, it opened up the door for Lazier to, to feel that comeback to beat to beat York for that Class A championship. And then for the Class AA, um, Edward Little, the Red Eddies, they end up beating Dorton Academy. Um, like I said, Edward Little, just like they say, they rely on Austin Brown. Austin Brown was able to win that, was able to win it um, through a game-winning shot. And like I said, Cam York had a nice game. John Shea was pretty good, but Austin Brown was the star of the show. And like I said, it was—I mean, it was tough. Thornton Academy definitely challenged the Red Eddies, but in the end, Austin Brown was able to hit that buzzer beater or that game-winning shot to give them the championship. So uh, tough, tough loss for Thornton Academy, but congrats to Edward Little. The Red 80s are uh, successful. And also, congrats to Hampton Academy for wrapping up the Class A AA. So, every Little getting the job done in Hampton, getting the job done. Congrats to those champions in Maine. Vermont wrapped up their championship on Sunday. Um, Rice was, was victorious. They beat St. Johnsboro Academy. Uh, probably this kid may be, he might be in the contention of winning Vermont, Mr. Basketball, Michelle, now the, now the Shash, I can't even say his name, it's, uh, Michelle, now the Shash, now the Shash, oh my God, I cannot say it, Madadashash, oh my God, I can't, I can't say, I'll just say, I'll just say Michelle. He had 20 points, six boards, um, four steals. The guy's a two-way player. He's been doing it all year long for Rice, Rice Memorial. Um, and then St. John's, bro, they, they, they upset uh, Champlain Valley Union, um, Evan Parker's team. Uh, Logan Wendell's had a great season, a very skillful guard for them. Uh, they also have another guy, Andrew Cowan, that plays well for them. He's a 6'9 big. He had six blocks against that small Rice team, which, I mean, Rice is probably the smaller teams that I've seen that has won a championship in a long time. But their athleticism is what makes them so tough. And Michelle just breaks guys down on the off the dribble better than anybody in the state. So it's the reason why they're able to, you know, be victorious even without their lack of size. But Andrew Cowan was a huge problem in the game, but they found a way to win regardless of those difficulties. Congrats to Rice Memorial for winning, once again, another Vermont championship. They've had a very successful um, past, as I believe this is their second, I mean, not their second, their 16th, um, state championship 
throughout their history. So that is a great achievement. And they're probably one of the more power schools in the state, like probably the more dominant programs in the state. So congrats to Weiss Memorial for winning another one, for winning their 16th. And I think Michelle, he's going to be a... Uh, a great star. I think he's got what? I think he's got another year of eligibility. He's a junior, so he'll be back in senior year. So I think Rice will be right in the thick of things next year. I think they got a fairly young team too. So I, I mean, keep an eye on Rice next year. They might win it again next year. But keep an eye on, on St. Johnsboro as well, because I think St. Johnsboro is a team that is always in the thick of things as well, and they always tend to get the top players in. in in the state to come to their school. Um, Rhode Island, um, they wrapped up their Division One championship. They also wrapped up their D two as well. Um, we'll get into those uh, those other high school notes, but it's probably the most shocking result. Um, North Kingstown lost. Yes, you yes, you heard me. North Kingstown, the North Kingstown Skippers that won it last year. They, I thought they were going to repeat. I thought they were going to be back-to-back state champions. Lost to Bishop Hendrick. Huge upset. Sebastian Thomas had a huge game, 32 points. This may have been his best game as a, you know, f- so far in his high school career. And he's only a junior, so he'll be back next year. And then you have Justin Perez. He had a nice game as well. But Sebastian Thomas stole the show, took over this game, and and he could not be denied. And he wanted to win this chip extremely badly. As far as I know, they played them uh, North Kingstown last year. Um, so, and they weren't successful. So this is a huge win for Bishop Hendrickson, um, right out of Providence, Rhode Island. Um, just a huge win. Sebastian Thomas, keep an eye on him. Scouts, keep an eye on him. The kid's special. He's a special scorer. He's a very confident player out there. All right, so let's take us some other high school notes to wrap things up for the high school ranks. Far as Division Two in, in Massachusetts, Whitman and Hanson beat Situate. So that's the last game for Jack Poirier's high school career. Whitman Hanson's got a pretty talented squad led by Ben Rice. And a few other uh, kids are pretty talented on that squad, a pretty deep team. So they were able to get the upset and beat Situate. Um, far as D2 Rhode Island, like I mentioned, Portsmouth wins it all. They beat Will Weinwart's Barrington high school team. And like I said, Portsmouth, they got a deep squad. They're a team that really no one hasn't been talking about, but really they're probably one of the been, been, been the better uh, teams in D2 all year long in Rhode Island. So, you know, all, I mean, pretty much all the attentions that went to Barrington and Shea, but Portsmouth has been probably the most uh, talented team top to bottom all year long. So congrats to Portsmouth and congrats to Whitman and Hanson. The Whitman and Hanson will be playing in the um, MIA top, you know, top four for D2 on Tuesday as well.
And those games will also be at the TD Garden, by the way. So you got a really stacked championship um, uh, championship week at the Garden for high school basketball. Hopefully, hopefully I, I can find it on TV. Maybe I'll check it out and then give you some insight on it for next week. And like I said, this has been a long show. Almost, you could probably say about two hours. I got a few thoughts on the Celtics to wrap this show up. I Like I said, Celtics lose again. In pathetic fashion. Yes, I said pathetic fashion. To a team, I just think, OKC, listen, OKC's won 40 games this year. It looks like they might get the 7th or 8th seed in the West. But you're at home. I mean, you have pretty much the game locked up. You're Kimball Walker. You get the ball off the inbounds pass. You do something that you probably learn in high school or probably in the lower, you probably, you know, you learn these skills and, you know, in, you know, your, your, your middle school travel team. The worst thing you can do is to dribble the opposite way. Like for, for one, you got to worry about an eight second violation for one, you know, it's not, it's not 20 It's not like you have all the time in the world. To get the ball at the floor. So you really your momentum should always be going forward, not backwards. When I seen him go backwards, I knew something was gonna happen. I knew that Schroeder was gonna get going. I didn't know Schroeder was gonna make a play like that. I thought that was a heck of a play by a Dennis Schroeder. But for him to go catch the ball, I just let's just say I think he caught the ball right around the three quarter uh three quarter spot. I'm, I'm hard to try to describe it, but you know, like probably the three quarter, three quarters of the court length. He's in the backcourt. He catches the ball. He dribbles the ball back, right into the corner, right into the corner of what the Oklahoma City's uh, basket would be. He's literally driving into that direction. You have eight seconds. What are you doing? Like you know, you could get trapped. Because you're heading towards the baseline. like So Chris Paul does a good job defending him. Stays with him. Neck and neck. He's literally with him. Dennis Schroeder comes from behind. And, you know, blindsides Kimmel Walker. Strips the ball. Lays it up. Oklahoma City takes the lead. And that's pretty much the game right there. That's literally the game. And it's just something that you learn. And lower end. Like when you... When you're learning about the game of basketball, your coach would air you out. Like I, I like I, I don't, I haven't really played like a lot of travel basketball. I probably played on maybe two youth teams in my entire life. I, I don't have a ton of experience on it, but I know if I did something like that, man, I know I would have got aired out by my coach. Just, <laughs> just. Like, I don't know how they do that in the NBA. I just know one thing. I just thought that was the most boneheaded play by Kimmel Walker. If anything, maybe hold it, wait for them the them to come, then pass it to maybe Tatum or 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 Tice, which they were all in the backcourt at the time. I don't know why he panicked and felt like he had to do it all on his own. 
But, you know, utilize your teammates. That's why they're there. Sometimes you can use them to shield off the defender. That can get you up the floor as well. But he's tri- he's dribbling the ball backwards. That's, I mean, th- I don't know. Maybe because he's been out for a week. Like, I don't know what is wrong with him. Like, his... And then he and then he missed the layup. He had no lift, and he missed a, a easy bunny. Like I couldn't, bro. I couldn't believe he missed that layup. It was like, I think he, I don't know. He had like I don't know. He had an easy drive. He was literally at the rim, and he literally front rims a layup. I was like, yo, how the hell does this dude front rim the layup? I know he's short. I know it was like literally my size playing basketball against these giants, but it was like uncontested and he still was short with it. I was just like, what the, what is going on with Kim Walker? Just that play really stuck out and then that, and the, the missed layup really stuck out. I was like, and there was a lot of other plays. Tatum missed a lot of bunnies. I thought, I mean, Tatum's really coming back to earth now. He only had 19 in the game. So, <sighs> Jalen Brown was out again, so. I just feel like when they lose, at least, at least, whether it's Kimba, Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Hayward, they struggle. But even though Hayward had, when well, Hayward had a nice game, he had twenty four, it wasn't good enough for them to win. And like I said, the bench continues to not be a non factor, and it's just it's, you know what's the f- most frustrating part about it. A lot of the guys that were playing well in the first half, you know, Cantor and, and Wanamaker and I'm not even going to say Semi because Semi is Semi. He's he's going to come and go, but at least he tries out there. But I'm really disappointed with Wanamaker. I'm really disappointed with Cantor. These guys have absolutely been ghosts the past few, few months or really this past month and a half. Like, they've literally been ghosts. Like, you haven't heard nothing from them but two or four points per game. Every night, they're only giving you two or four points. They're not giving you nothing, really, to be honest with you. Can't only give you six minutes and, and, and a donut. Didn't even get two rebounds. The guy's not even rebounding the ball. Like, he's getting pushed around out there, not even getting clean rebounds. He's getting stripped in the lane. Every time he's in a post up, he loses the ball. It's, it's freaking frustrating to watch. This bench stink up the joint. And it's just so much pressure on the starters to be perfect. And if the starters are not perfect, I don't think they win games in the playoffs. Like, I don't know who to, I mean, you know, okay, when Jalen Brown comes back, Marcus Smart will move to the bench. So that does help some things out with the bench a little bit. But besides that, after Marcus Smart, there's a huge drop-off in talent. And it's just like, I don't know. What Danny Ainge was thinking not to get another guy. Like, you could have at least cut Poirier. You could at least cut Javante Green. These guys are not in the rotation. They don't even play. Romeo Lafer passed him, by the way. So, this, now you definitely don't see much of Javante Green because Romeo Lafer plays over him now. So, I mean, when you figure that out, that those two guys would not be even close to be playing... Why wouldn't you cut him to get at least somebody, at least sign somebody that you know maybe not have played all year long? I would have been happy with that than just sitting on your hands and knees and saying, "Well, this is enough." It's not enough. Like I, I mean, far as I mean, you're just putting a ton of pressure on the starters to be perfect, to be 
Because, I mean, it's going to be worse. If they can't give you nothing in a regular season game, just to, they ain't going to give you nothing in the playoffs game. So, I don't know, man. I'm worried about that a lot. I'm worried that they may not have enough, you know, to really. Because they're really, I, I don't know. I, listen, I get it. I get where Danny's coming from because of what happened last year. He had too much talent. Now I don't think he has enough, particularly when it comes down to that bench, because obviously the bench was much better last year. To be honest with you, that bench won you games when Kyrie Urban or what or whatever, you know, Hayward stunk up the joint. And, you know, guys that were inconsistent, I felt like the bench kind of helped you out in, in some aspects of winning games. Marcus Morris really stepped up big in a lot of games. You know, I think Rozier had a terrible year. I don't really, really want to compare the last year's team to this year's team. They're much like this team's. This year's team's a much likable team. I just don't like that. This, I mean, the, uh, Danny Ainge uh, decided to 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 really make the bench that was pretty much dependent on youth to drive the bench. I thought that was the worst decision that he could do because I still think the team overall is young. You got Jalen Brown and Tatum. They're still young. So, I mean, you're going to need some type of veteran leadership to help them out. I thought Canner, you know, was a good signing, but I still think he needed to do more to add a few more veterans to the mix and just guys that are just professionals. Watermaker's not a professional. I mean, I don't know what he thought. Maybe he thought he found a fine, but at first, like I said, it looked like Wanamaker was going to be a big-time addition this year. But he has absolutely disappeared. And Canner has absolutely disappeared. So there goes those two guys that you thought you was going to count on. Ain't You're not able to count on them now. And that's been a huge problem. I just thought... I, I mean, hopefully they're going through a slide. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll snap out of it. And they'll give you something. But, I mean... I don't remember Wanamaker being this bad last year. Especially down the stretch. I mean, he didn't, listen, he didn't play as much minutes as he's playing now. I think he's probably playing the longest he's ever played in his career. And I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just not used to the workload that he's doing, that he has to go through now. I know he's a bench player, not a starter, but he played a lot early in the year. And now, you know, he's going past what a, a European league season would be. So maybe his workload is not what he expected. You know, but I don't. You know, he. I mean, maybe he over over underestimated how long the NBA season is, and but and maybe he's truly having a Ricky Wall. I mean, who knows? Or a sophomore slump type of season right now because he started out well, and then I mean, he's been MIA the past week or two, and then they need they needed him to step up in some of these games, at least give you at least double digits, to give you double figures in some of these games like he was early in the year, and he hasn't done none of that. He hasn't... I mean, I don't think he's made a three in two months. It's been that bad. I mean, he hasn't made... And then you look at Grant Williams. Grant Williams had a, a had one time, like, okay, I think I think Grant Williams turned in the quarter. And then all suddenly he started to... To get to rebirth right back to the old Grant Williams that was 0 for, 0 for 21 from 3. And it's just like you're not getting anything from the bench, man. And it's and that's probably just 
I don't know. If that's one thing I would say that could completely keep them from getting where they want to get to in the playoffs, it's because of the bench. You're going to need somebody, somebody to win you a playoff game coming off the bench. And I don't know who's going to do that for you besides Marcus Smart. We all we all expect Marcus Smart to, to play well in the playoffs. We expect that. But what's going to be that seventh guy? Who's going to be that seventh guy that's going to step up and give you something? I don't know. I, I just, I mean, I've seen bad benches like this before. I mean, I can go back to the 2010 uh, team, I think, where they had, I think they had Ryan Halls, they had Keon Dooling. Remember that team? Like, they, that team, that bench was horrible, man. That was a horrible bench. <laughs> you had Ryan Halls and Keon Dooling was your best bench players. Now, that's, that was a bad bench, but I think that bench is pretty close to what this bench is this year. So, and same thing, they kind of depended on the starters. They depended on Pierce and Garnett and Allen and Rondo to really carry them. And that's this team was a lot similar to what that team was in 2010. They, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but it wasn't enough. They weren't able to win a game on the... Uh, they won a game on the road, but they, when it mattered most, you know, that game six, they weren't able to get the job done. And LeBron was able to, you know have that historic game and that's all she wrote after that so i don't know i mean obviously the next game uh they play what is it trying to think of who they play i'm gonna freeze right now i've literally been on for two hours and it's your brain stops working after two hours i I mean that's probably my longest podcast i've done yet but nevertheless all I know is they got the Milwaukee Bucks on Thursday. So whatever happens to me is irrelevant. I'm all eyes on, on Thursday. And who knows what's going to happen with this coronavirus issue. I mean, they're saying on Wednesday they're, they're going to meet with governors. If like if they're going to have play games with empty uh, empty seats or no fans attending, which is absolutely, to me, is absolutely crazy. But... I don't know. I mean, I'm just expecting a big game on Thursday. And I hope Jalen Brown will be available because if they're not, it's going to be an absolute mop fest. The Bucks are going to eat them alive if Jalen Brown doesn't play on Thursday. I guarantee you that. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they win their next game to kind of give themselves some confidence coming into that game because they're going to need it. They're going to need it. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. This is your host, Rob Morris. It's almost a two, almost a two and a half hour show. Three parts. Like I said, it's a wrap. So I will wrap this up. So listen to the Ribs and Nets podcast. This is your host, Rob Morris. I'm out. Peace.